Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey everyone, this is John Alba from the Extreme Life of Mad Hardy. Now, every single week on the podcast, you get to hear me and my buddy Mad Hardy talk all about the great wrestling stories from his career. And if you notice at the beginning of the podcast, we like to talk about the current happenings in the wrestling world. Well, that's not the only time all week long I get to do that. In fact, I've got a website I want to tell you all about. That is WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. This is your chance to interact with me one-on-one every single week, multiple times, whether it's Ask Alba Q&As, tape studies where we break down famous wrestling matches, move for move, preview and review shows of WWE and AEW pay-per-views, and much, much more. If you like my takes on wrestling, or even if you don't, and you just want to talk about them in person with me, one-on-one, this is your opportunity to do so and join a great community of wrestling fans. Go to WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com now and join for as low as $4.99 a month. That's $4.99 a month cheaper than your cup of coffee at Starbucks. And join me for some great wrestling conversation about all the fantastic matches that we are seeing week in and week out with some of the best talent in the world. That's WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com. NMLS number 65084 Equal Housing Lender. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out no house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. about to be spoken here on the extreme life of mad hardy presented to you by the ad free shows and podcast heat networks i'm john alba joined as i am every single week by the broken one woken one spoken one himself mr matt hardy matt it's the whole damn show matt freaking hardy yeah you, you seeing rvd these days man i did i just saw rvd out of WrestleCon. he's looking yeah. good yeah we had a, a long 40-minute chat or so. Wow. Right before I was leaving near the airport, we sat down and caught up a little bit. It was great. A lot of similar vibes between him and Jeff Hardy. There's no doubt about that as far as personal. They're both very unique cats, no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, hey, Top Guy Ed, who's watching along, says it's Matt Hardy. What up, Top Guy Ed? He's watching because if you're an adfreeshows.com member, you are getting a chance to watch the extreme life of Matt Hardy live, and you can interact with Matt Hardy live. That is the good stuff there, my friends. 
How are you? Good, sir. It's been a busy week for you. You've been flying all around. You're in Poughkeepsie. You got all this good stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, the last four weeks have been extremely busy. I feel like I'm back on a 1999 WWE schedule right now. I've been all over the place, flying nonstop, traveling nonstop. But it's all good. I actually have a couple down weeks now, which uh, while I'll be at home, get to spend some time with the kiddos. And, and they needed it, too. I've been away a lot. But, you know, they do know that I has to go out and bring home the bacon, make a few bucks so I can continue to feed them and buy them toys and, and give them a nice little life. So it's all good, man. I'm here in Pittsburgh today and very excited about performing in front of Pittsburgh tonight. Yeah. What do you like about performing in front of Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is just one of the first towns that I got to work in when we first started on the road with WWE, when we first started touring and whatnot. So I, I don't know. It's always had a special place in my heart just because of them. Sometimes they can be a very tough crowd. Uh, Pittsburgh and, and Philadelphia both. Sometimes they can be very tough. They can be very judgmental of what they're watching in the ring. But the one thing I do seem to really appreciate about Pittsburgh is they're very good at like respecting guys who have put in their time and have almost, uh, you know, obtained that legendary status. So it's going to be exciting to be back, especially with brother Nero here in Pittsburgh tonight. As we know, it is Britsburg these days. So your girl Britsburg, yeah. will have a chance to show up and show out there. Uh, lots of good stuff going on, man. You announced this past week on Rampage. The firm deletion is going to be a thing. Everyone in the wrestling world is talking about the firm deletion. Some words exchanged between Stankley Hathaway and King Maxwell. Fill us in. Bring us up to date. What can we expect from the firm deletion? Well, to begin with, John, you have to say it the correct way. You say it like this. You go, the firm deletion! Make sure you do it that way, you know, from now on out. Got it. Anyway, uh, anyway it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to go back to the Hardy compound. And I'm really excited to, to take four-man teams, eight people all together, and have a match on the Hardy compound. That's something we've never done before. We did a lot of stuff with uh, Decay, where there were six people that were interacting with one another. Obviously, that being myself, Jeff, and uh, Queen Rebecca versus uh, Abyss, Crazy Steve, and Rosemary. But now to have eight people out there and in the Hardy compound, it always promises to have cameos it always ha uh, has special guest appearances and I i'm excited for this one because i feel like it's going to be a little different than all the other ones there's a lot of guys involved but it's also going to be based in more of an AEW universe i feel like than any other cinematic match has been because i i, I get the fact that they are a more sports centric type of promotion so we're going to have some fun entertaining moments there's going to be a lot of great physicality and it's going to be pretty brutal in many ways a lot of spots that are going to take your breath away but it's also going to, to be based in reality which i think is going to be very good for the aw audience what do you make of some of the words exchanged between stokely and maxwell uh i dug it uh first and foremost uh, that's the best promo king maxwell has ever cut you know, so he's he's obviously new. He's just kind of cutting his teeth, like literally, he's cutting his teeth. He's just getting his adult teeth right now, but uh, he's cutting his teeth as a as a promo guy, obviously. But for him to have that that serious look in his face, and for him to deliver it with that that type of mentality and that attitude, it was just tremendous. Very proud of him. Kids got kids got a, a long, great future in the business. I'm just gonna have him keep his feet on the ground, keep reaching for the stars. We got Keith joining us. What is going on, Keith? Ed says King Maxwell versus Stokely with a run-in from Senior Benjamin with a taser. Mm, you never know. Yeah, I, I think you're going to get to see all of the classic, you know, House Hardy 
family members there during this match. You'll get to see the baby Hardy boys. You're going to get to see Queen Rebecca. I'm sure you'll see Senior Benjamin, and I would imagine there'll also be a cameo by Gothic Baby. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot. The debut, the pro wrestling debut of Gothic. It would it would be the pro wrestling debut of Gothic Baby. Yes. Very very interesting. I hear Gothic Baby stealing all the attention these days. Stokely. That video that he posted, he said he had gone out of physical therapy, but I don't know, Matt, 3.45 a.m. on a Monday outside of a gentleman's club, that's one hell of a physical therapy center that Stokely Hathaway is attending, isn't it? Yeah, it makes me wonder if he's got like, uh, if he walks into the strip club and there's a, a bookcase back there where he moves the book, like in House Hardy and a secret door opens up where he goes into physical therapy. I dispute his story a little bit. I'm, I'm not so sure who's oh, being honest yeah, yeah, uh, about that. Did, yeah. So first off, does the locker room know Stokely as as a Fanta guy? Because he made it pretty clear that he is known as the Fanta guy in AEW. I, I guess so. He takes a lot of pride in that, you know. So anytime I could, uh, anytime I could score one on uh, Stokely, it was well worth it because I knew it was going to be easy for me to to work Ethan Page into believing he was my best friend. And Stokely, I, I knew I couldn't get him into that position, so I had to take him off the table. You know, so I took him off the chessboard, and I did that with my boy Hook. Does Matt Hardy like orange soda? Uh, I'm not crazy about it, but I knew it would make Stokely crazy, so that's why I did it. Ah, so you leveraged the orange soda to your possession to upset Stokely Hathaway. Of course, yes, yes. Mm. Any, any, hey, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. <laughs> oh, but I'm going to tell you this too, John. Speaking of Stokely, like King mm. Maxwell's got his swanton down. He's he's about ready to to max ton Stokely Hathaway too. Wow. If Hopefully, he gets in his way. You know, he'll max ton his ass. Just don't go anywhere near that dome of deletion, man. That's I, I, I hope they do their scouting of the Hardy compound because if they find themselves in an area where they don't want to be, there's a lot of different characters and creatures and things that pop up. You just you don't want any of that. Ed says, didn't Stokely watch what happened to Spud when messing with King Maxwell? I don't think he did. I don't think he realizes that King Maxwell's still undefeated. He's three and oh. True. You know? So we'll yeah. see. We might we might have a little maybe we can build a match within the firm deletion match. And we might a, have King Maxwell Stokely deal somehow. We might have to do a full episode on the day that King Maxwell pinned Disco Inferno clean, looking up at the lights. That was his first win, yeah. We could get a full three hours out of that episode. And I got to tell you, couldn't happen to a better guy. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> what is going on, Denovius? We are hanging out with the top guys here on adfreeshows.com. If you're watching live, head on over to AFS. Sign up for that top two. You get these live tapings. They're awesome. Yes, and we just actually laid down an April bonus episode as well, which was an ad-free shows exclusive Ask Matt Anything. And there were some great questions asked and answered on that. How's Jeff doing yeah. back on the road? I hear this morning uh, things were a little busy as you're getting ready to head over to Dynamite. Doing good. You know, uh, he uh, was up early, first one up down in the gym. You know, he's on a, a schedule where he's up first thing in the morning when the sun comes up, Jeff gets up. Uh, he goes to bed early and uh, I noticed after he cleaned up a little bit, he needed me to run over his room, put a little color on him. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's ready, man. If we're in front of that crowd, he's going to have a little color on him tonight. So he, he, he likes it. He likes to get his brother, put a little tanner on his back. You know, mm. I get his back. He gets my back. Tan enough to go over Hogan at Starcade. How about that? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask you this too, John. Do you happen to know who King Maxwell's third victory was over? little trivia question. So we had Spud. We had Disco. Disco's one, Spud was two. Who's the third? Kevin Eck. Oh, the the old WWE writer. Yes. 
Interesting. And that happened at Maryland Championship Wrestling. MCW. Okay. Following an expedition of gold match, uh, they came out and we uh, won the tag team titles from uh, his his, uh, faction that was there and we won the titles. And he said, this is no good. I want to reverse this. I'll do anything. And uh, I ended up saying, how about you challenge King Maxwell to a match? And if you can defeat King Maxwell, then we'll, we'll return the tag team titles to your men. And King Maxwell picked up his third victory that night in MCW. Okay. All right. I, listen, King Maxwell's got a head start on just about every other pro wrestler out there. So let's see what yeah. comes from the long career ahead when you're making the towns and I'm just the wheel man. I, I just can't wait to be the, I can't wait to be the wheel man for the baby Hardy boys. I was going to say, instead of Manny Fernandez, they'll be setting up your gimmick table oh, as the baby Hardys go defend in the ring while you're just yeah. out there collecting the gimmicks. I like it. I like it. I like it. You got to see Kurt Angle this past weekend. I did. Yeah. Got to spend some, some good time with Kurt. And uh, once again, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We both got in around uh, 11 o'clock that morning to the hotel and the promoter had got us early check-ins, but there were no rooms ready yet. So I, I got there first and I said, all right, well, there's, there are no rooms. I, I would really like to sleep a little bit. I only got to sleep four and a half, five hours last night. Uh, up at the crack of dawn to catch this flight. So I said, well, I'll go to the gym. You know, my motto is if, if you can't sleep, then sweat. You know, those are the, the best ways to try and uh, get as much energy as you can. And I'm up there doing cardio, and lo and behold, someone comes in and slaps me on the ass. And hurts. Matt Hardy, what's going on, buddy? And then uh, then we proceeded to, to work out together there and caught up a little bit. And then we made the hour-plus drive up to Poughkeepsie and shot the show on the way. And it was great, great to see Kurt, man. Kurt seems great. He was happy. Uh Talked about our crazy wives a little bit. You know, we got that in common, too. So a, a lot of fun, man. Great to catch up with Kurt. I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> Both, yeah. <laughs> well, if your motto is if you can't sleep, you may as well sweat. Mine is you should probably cook it medium rare. So we have different mottos about life. Yeah. Uh, and hey, man, Kurt is a beast, isn't he? He still is in top-notch shape. He looks unbelievable. Yeah, no, he's great. We were just talking about how, you know, it's crazy how you're – body kind of slowly and gradually falls apart and changes after doing this for so, so long. And just, we were both talking about how light we go now, you know, it's just like, we literally do stuff just like for maintenance more than anything else. And we were both in there just like busting our ass. There were a couple other people in the gym and like, we were like going nonstop doing these lighter weights, almost like uh, aerobic type exercises, the way we were going like, boom, 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 boom. And people were like, Jesus Christ, these guys aren't taking any kind of breaks between their sets, but that's what we do, man. Oh, you know, old dogs, you can't teach them new tricks. You know, I just, it's funny that this just popped into my head. I saw a highlight from one of Kurt's podcasts that he does with Paul Bromwell, the Kurt Angle show you should go check out here on ad free shows. He had said that the only match he would consider doing and coming back out of retirement for would be a cinematic match. He said that. Mm. Now all of a sudden, Matt, my wheels are turning here. Maybe uh, maybe the house Hardy could use three eyes at some point. Yeah. As they say in the old wrestling business, never say never. Kurt Angle coming down to the Hardy compound for a cinematic match could be a lot of fun. I'd be down to see something like that. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Matt. It's real. It's damn real. <laughs> we had a great episode last week talking wrestlemania 25 any thoughts that you'd like to bow tie that all on after getting some of the feedback on it uh no i enjoyed it and and the people that checked it out really seemed to enjoy it as well and and i i think i gotta give WWE props where props are deserved you know i thought they did a really good job 
building our angle. I didn't agree with maybe every single step of the way, but I thought they did a, a really tremendous job pitting us against one another. And uh, I thought Jeff and I really worked hard to try and make things work. It's funny. One of the comments that I kept seeing all the time on the YouTube and then even on social media was, I didn't like this feud because I didn't like the Hardys fighting each other. And you're I mean, right, Matt. People love to see the Hardy boys together. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't. People, people typically don't enjoy us working one another. You know, that's why we took such a different approach, such a drastically different approach when we did the whole Broken Matt, uh, Jeff Hardy slash Brother Nero program back in TNA. We just tried to put a different spin on everything. But, but you're right. I mean, historically throughout our career, they don't want to see us fight one another. They want to see us fight together, you know, and have each other's back. And that's what you guys are doing in AEW right now. And if you check out that Ask Matt ad-free shows exclusive, you'll hear some of the opponents that Matt said he would like to face coming up here in AEW. Well, this week we are talking about one of the most unique periods of your career in 2001, where for about a month, the Hardy Boys ran with the top dogs in the World Wrestling Federation, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H collectively known as the two-man power trip it's going to be a great episode and a very interesting period of your career that i don't believe has ever really been talked about in long form so i'm excited to get into that but before we can matt hardy as we do every single week i need you to please hit us with that matt fact matt fact matt strangely enjoys mustard on a cuban sandwich Whoa, you're going to break the internet with that one. Told you. I teased that one on the, uh, the Q&A we did. Please I tell us more. Where'd that come from? Well, you know, I didn't say I hate mustard. I said I strongly dislike it. I feel like mustard doesn't enhance like a burger or a hot dog. There's a lot of things I feel like it, it takes away from my experience. Uh, whenever I have mustard on something. But I got to tell you, man, if I have a Cuban sandwich with all those ingredients, mustard just feels right on it. And it's, it's tasty. I, I, I've never eaten a Cuban sandwich without mustard. I always get them as they come with mustard on them. So does Matt Hardy not strongly dislike mustard as much as we thought? Well, he just doesn't hate mustard. Strongly dislike is, is lesser than hate. So just, you know, just to clarify. So when I see Jeremy Lambert write the headline on Fightful, it's going to be Matt Hardy has opened his mind on mustard a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe so. Yeah. You know, as you age, things change, you know, and, and just my motto in life, much like pro wrestling is never say never. Even with you, John, you've got to keep, stay open minded and be willing to change going forward. True. I mean, I ain't eating eggs anytime soon, but still, that's that's fair, man. I Okay. I, I mean, maybe maybe when you're 40, you'll enjoy eggs. Maybe you'll want your food medium at that point. You're, you're, you're <laughs> medium. You know, things change, man. Keep an open mind, brother. I ain't changing for medium rare unless the doctors tell me that I have to for the life of me, but that's okay. All right, man. I'm excited to talk about this topic because this was like height of my pro wrestling fandom. We're talking the aftermath of TLC2, which... We discussed in long form in our archive in our TLC2 episode, extremehardy.com. Leave that five single, five single, five star review whenever you can. We got a few great ones this past week. So, really appreciate that. How are you guys feeling coming out of TLC2? You don't win, but there's no doubt that everyone in the pro wrestling world is talking about what a spectacle this match was. Yeah, we didn't, uh, the Hardys didn't personally triumph in the match, but the match overall was a triumph. You guys are the talk of the pro wrestling world. 
coming out of it, and it's going to set you on a collision course with two of the biggest stars in wrestling at the time. Let's start by talking about the first time you came across both Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. We'll start with Triple H. Your first match with him is June 26, 1995 on a Raw taping in Danville, Pennsylvania. These are your enhancement days, Matt Hardy. What can you recall about working with the man then known as Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Uh we remembered him as terrorizing from WCW, and we thought it was very cool that he was getting the opportunity to come to WWE and do a character that was similar, and he had a different name, whatever. He was the aristocrat. Um, and we always enjoyed his work, so I, I thought it was very cool to get to work against him. And he turned out to be uh, a really solid, smooth, technical wrestler when I was in the ring with him. So it was it was always exciting for us to, to wrestle these guys, and I think more than anything else, we wanted to do everything that we could to make them look good. So we'd keep getting booked back and we would uh, have an opportunity to one day work there full time. That was our, that was always our goal in those matches. The Connecticut blue blood then. Yes. You know, Hunter Hurst Helmsley. What'd you think of the Victorian character that he had? I, I was okay with it. I mean, I, I, you know me, like I, I loved the character era when I was growing up, you know, especially being young. I mean, I'm the guy who did Broken Man Hardy. Obviously, I love the character stuff. So I, I dug the Papa Shango, the Undertaker stuff, and I just thought him doing that blue-blooded aristocrat deal was uh, was a lot of fun. Austin, on the other hand, your first match with him is about a year later. We are approaching the 27th anniversary of it april 30th 1996 a superstars taping in des moines iowa i actually had a friend recently and i pinged you about it he reached out to me about this match he had been watching it i guess on a tape that he had right what do you remember about working with austin for the first time this is before he comes into his own as stone cold he's the ringmaster kind of going through a few different evolutions yeah. in his own right yeah this was him as the ringmaster he was supposed to wrestle rikishi that night in his debut and uh, which whatever Rikishi was doing at that time, Sultan, I believe the Sultan, maybe he was going to wrestle him and he was hurt. So I ended up getting the call, which I thought was cool. And it gave us, we had a little more time than, than typical than we, you know, than, than we would have typically for an enhancement match in that day and age. So it was okay. And it was, it was cool to wrestle with him because once again, uh, we knew him from WCW. I greatly enjoyed his work as stunning Steve Austin. So it was, uh, it was very cool to get to wrestle him on his debut. Austin had to change a lot of his style once he got hurt and had the neck injury. But back in the early to mid-90s, people regarded him as one of the smoothest workers in the industry. What do you remember about his work rate at that point? He is, I mean, in, in something, he, he can't be classified as smooth, but like I have a description of, of ways I kind of categorize people in pro wrestling. See, like, I thought Triple H of the two of those guys was, was smoother. Steve Austin wrestled more like an animal where, where he was kind of wild and unpredictable, but also the match came off a lot more legitimate, like very realistic. Like he didn't choreograph his moves. He wasn't smooth in everything he did. He was very aggressive and very physical with stuff. And, and I feel like I am kind of a mix in between both of those. Like I, I like to be able to be smooth and like technical and really crisp and whatever I'm doing, especially if I'm wrestling around someone or whatever. But I also like to have that ability to be very, rough and almost make it look like an animal where it looks more like a real fight. That's interesting to hear that because my observation as a consumer was his style was a lot more technical and smooth until he had the neck injury with Owen. 
back in 1997 in the summer of 97 and that's when he kind of changed into fighting more like an animal and being a little more aggressive which obviously that would have been more around the era when you would have started to work with him more consistently yeah. at the back end of Austin's career when he changed but uh, what do you say to that about him having to adapt on the fly and kind of change the way he worked and how do you credit that to his sustainability at the top I mean, that's what wrestling is. That's what life is. It's about adaption and about changing and, and doing what you need to, to get the most out of whatever period of your career or your life you're in. I think there's a lot of parallels in both of those. And, and I, I do kind of agree with your assumption. I, I think he probably was a smoother wrestler back then, you know, coming from stunning Steve. And I, I really think a light bulb went off in his head whenever he started first doing Stone Cold. And he realized, like, the more rough and the more violent and the more unpredictable look, I think, was better for that persona as well. So I think he really embraced it. And, of course, uh, working with that neck injury, I mean, that, that also gave him all the motivation in the world to, 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 to wrestle more of that style. Yeah, when he becomes the Stone Cold Steve Austin character, from 1997 on, he becomes the most over person in the entire wrestling world. Right. What do you attribute that quick ascension that he had and all that success to? Uh, he was in the perfect place at the perfect time. And it was the perfect guy in that spot because the whole thing with Vince following the Brett stuff and Vince became the hill. I mean, I feel like the regular man really identified with him more than anything else. You have a, you have a boss that is a hole of the ass who, you know, is talking down to you and, and everybody wants to like, slap the shit out of their boss. Everybody wants to like give the boss a piece of their mind. And he was someone who was able to do it. And I thought they, the way they played off one another was perfect. Uh, the, the Mr. McMahon character to the Stone Cold Steve Austin character, that that is really what drove people behind Steve. And Steve was the perfect guy to play it. He did it. He seemed like the everyday working man with the way he dressed, the way he talked, the way he spoke. And even into the way he wrestled, he was just like the everyday normal dude that was out there like whipping ass. I really appreciate your breakdown of that because while I agree that Austin deserves a ton of credit, I'm not sure Austin even gets to that tippy tippy top level without the Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon character. It was yeah. the perfect foil. Mm -hmm. There's an argument to be made that through all the great pro wrestling heels that have ever existed, the Mr. McMahon character is the most successful heel character ever. There is. I mean, there, there's something to that. I mean, Vince was genius during that time. Vince was genius. What a world where that guy became the most hated character in the history of pro wrestling. But there is a legitimate argument to be made about that. Now, I want to cycle sure. back to Hunter here for a second. Mm -hmm. He's on a rise. Things are going very well for him. As we know, he's a member of the Click. You guys had a pretty good relationship with the Click. You've talked about that in episodes in the past with Scott yep. Hall and Kevin Nash in particular. There's the curtain call incident that kind of drops Paul Levesque's standing for a hot second. What do you remember his standing in the click being like? Did you have any interactions with him as part of that group when you and Jeff were enhancement guys? We did. He was uh, probably the he was the youngest member of the clip, click, the newer member of the click, so he was a little more quiet than the other guys. He wasn't. His personality wasn't as outstanding. He wasn't quite as outspoken outspoken as all those other guys. You know, uh, th those guys that just came over from WCW, so they, they didn't give a shit about anything. You know, they were they were wide open. And then Sean was Sean Michaels at that time, which he was on another level in many many ways. So Hunter was probably the most quiet, but he was always nice. 
always kind to us in high school. And uh, I, I do remember that time when Hunter had all that heat on him after that. Like, you know, I, I go back to the WrestleMania match. We were so shocked the Ultimate Warrior ended up beating Triple H like that, how he beat him so quick, you know. But then, like, once we learned the reason behind it, it all, it all made sense in, in that day and age, you know, because back then if you had heat, they were going to – to punish it for punish you for it. You were gonna you were gonna get your come up at somewhere or the other in pro wrestling. What did you think of the curtain call? Um it was very it was very ballsy. I, I mean it, it was just very obvious that Hunter was gonna be the guy that was gonna get punished for it because he was the lowest man on the totem pole, obviously. Um and and I, I get I get why they why they did it because they were the click and they kind of ran the show, they ran shit then. Uh, especially in that day and age, probably not the best idea, but, but they also would say, fuck it. And they were going to do whatever they wanted to do. And that, that's what they did there. And obviously Paul Levesque was the guy who was going to pay the price for it. Just amazing that today, if something like that happened, it would hardly register on anyone. Yeah, right. right. I mean, that, well, that's how much the, the business has been exposed and, and such an open you know, an open book, you know, you, you know, the ins and outs about it. It wouldn't be such a big deal. Actually. I mean, I could see something like that being booked in an angle, you know, where Hills and baby faces celebrate one another if they're going in different directions or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like this podcast breaks that wall down on a weekly yeah. basis. Right. Yeah. And meanwhile, this happened for the first time on that stage and a guy almost loses his job over it. Right. Which is pretty insane to look back on, especially where Triple H ends up uh, by the end of his career, because his rise to prominence is almost the complete opposite of Stone Cold's. Right. He comes through the McMahon family, which, as we know, turns into a real life relationship with Stephanie. When do you remember him first starting to run with the McMahons in real life? And what was his perception backstage during that time period? I, I got to say this. I mean, first and foremost, it was gutsy for trips to be involved in the curtain call. And I'm sure he wanted to because all those guys were close like brothers, right? You've got, you know, Razor and Diesel. They're on the way out going to WCW. Shawn Michaels is the guy in WWE at that time, untouchable. Uh, he ends up taking all the heat for it. And I mean, he was, dude, he was in the doghouse for so long. I mean, I, I give him massive credit because he had to scratch and claw and dig his way out of this hole. And you can tell that's almost like a defining point, but behind triple H because he was in such shit and he had to dig himself out of so much stuff to get back into a, a, a position of relevancy that I know he held that, he held that deep. And that's probably why he was such a driven political figure. Like once he gained that power, cause he's like, no, I've been fucked over. I will not get fucked over again. I'm going to protect my, my territory and, and my stuff every single step of the way. And that, that's probably a big motivating factor behind why he became who he became. Uh, I, I remember the days once he was cool with, uh, you know, the office again, and he was starting to get utilized. He was starting to get pushed again. And, and once it came out that him and Steph were like a thing that had been happening and they put them together on TV and the whole, you know, McMahon Helmsley era began. I mean, he, he was gaining a lot of power very quickly at that time. And he was a major driving force of things that would happen on that show. It's amazing seeing Paul Levesque's entire career trajectory where yeah, he has everything you just said, then just recapped to getting to where he became to then becoming this like purveyor of the indies and promoting that indie wrestling style and breaking that fourth wall furthermore with wrestling and, and challenging what WWE can be. It's pretty remarkable 
that, that character arc, isn't it? Yeah, and, and and it also goes to show how much he truly loves the art of professional wrestling. You know, he he really really does. I mean, from from day one he did, and that that really shows how he stayed modern and he continued to evolve and continued to adapt, and just the way he tapped into the indies, which you know that's not something. Vince would necessarily do, but that's something that Triple H was strongly motivated to do, which I, I totally respect him for. Well, I've got a place for everyone to tap into the Indies, Matt Hardy, and of course I'm talking about Fight, and we want to help you here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy hook up with Fight, because Fight Plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment, and Fight is now offering a free seven-day trial at tryfight.com. You know I'm hopping on Fight like every single week. You can find a ton of JA content there, but there's yeah. thousands and thousands of hours of independent wrestling content as well fight plus is packed with premium live events schedule over a thousand hours of live action every year a library of more than four thousand on-demand hours plus exclusive content fight is a great partner of ours at the extreme life of matt hardy and ad free shows they support us they support me so let's support them give that free seven-day trial a try and you'll be a member for life that's tryfight.com t-r-y-f-i-t-e.com amazing how much is at your fingertips with something like this isn't it matt it really is. And a, and a week free, how can you not try that? Give it a try, guys. Do it for a week free, and I promise you'll love it. A week free and then a wee fee. That's how Matt Hardy likes to rock and roll these days. Oh, Rumor and innuendo has it. So uh, that's that's a good way to encompass everything that Paul Levesque's got going on there. Uh, I, I would like to ask you this because there were so many main major players at that time we're talking 99 2000 2001 wwf defeats wcw how critical were austin and triple h in particular in carrying wwf over wcw and where do you feel that triple h fit in that pecking order of top guys i mean i i feel like once he got the opportunity and i'm sure sean was rooting for him as well. Once he got the opportunity to, to do the DX stuff with Sean, you know, when it was Sean Hunter and China in the beginning, that that's where he really started getting out of this shit storm. He'd put himself in and, and, and starting to, to rise back to relevancy. I mean, I, th I think they fit huge stone cold. I think he was the face of WWE then, you know, as stone cold, Steve Austin, he was the guy that was <clears throat> behind the helm of the ship. You also had the rock who was a mega star at that time, who was a huge, hugely influential person on, you know, helping WWE tip the scales when it came to WCW and then DX, which included Hunter and Sean. I mean, th those guys were massively important to winning the Monday night war. I think it's Austin at the top, probably rock number two. And then there's probably an argument to be made that triple H was number three or four in that pecking order. What say you? Yeah, I mean, that, that's almost the same order. I even went back a little further just when Triple H yeah. first started climbing out of the hole, you know, when he was yeah. doing the thing with Sean. But, yeah, Tri Triple H was a big deal, especially once he got established and everything went on with him and Steph. I mean, he was he was a huge factor in, in WWE winning yeah. the Monday Night Wars. I don't think it can be understated how great of a heel he was, too. Like, when he really hit the game character, yeah. I just think of Jim Ross just absolutely hating Triple H in character and just, you bastard. Yeah, like just all, he was so great in getting him over as this big heel. I think, I think Triple H is right there at the top and sometimes gets overlooked for how important he was in helping get a lot of baby faces over at that time.
And also, j just uh, he can't leave his name out of the conversation, too. Undertaker was a big deal. Sure. I, I think Taker's there, Foley's there, and yeah. even Kurt's kind of knocking on that, too. WrestleMania X7, though. Significant moment that would alter the course of wrestling history, quite frankly. Austin turns heel. He aligns with Vince McMahon and Rock winning the WWF Championship from The Rock. It's one of the most controversial booking decisions ever. And it's something that Austin himself actually pushed for. He was looking to do something different. Yeah. What was the reaction to Austin turning at the time among the locker room, especially with the rock headed to Hollywood? Uh, it, it was interesting. I mean, Steve really was confident in himself and he thought he could make this thing work, you know, and uh, I like that mentality. I like the approach of, of trying something different and, and new. I mean, you have to always change. You have to always evolve, right? Um, but just Stone Cold became a character that was so beloved. It's very hard to get him booed. And that was going to be problematic all the while through that. I mean, I, I almost, it, to me, it feels very similar to Jeff Hardy. It would be hard to make Jeff Hardy a, a full pitch to Hill and have people want to boo him because he is just such a beloved character. And people connect with him in a way that they they do with very few people. Stone Cold was that, that way too. And I know he went out and it was in Texas of all places where he is absolutely put on a pedestal everywhere, you know, and he was getting cheered when he was, you know, beating the Rock's ass after aligning with Mr. McMahon or whatever. So that they knew that was going to be problematic. So they said, how can we get some legitimate heat on this guy and really piss people off? They said, well, let's call in these uh, young heartthrobs, the Hardy Boys, and and uh, and Lita and Team Extreme, and let's uh, let's get some heat on those guys. I think that might do the trip trip for uh, Stone Cold. It's just crazy. He is the biggest merch seller in the industry. Mm -hmm. He is a huge draw. WCW just went out of business. No one is clamoring for a Stone Cold Steve Austin heel turn here. The fans love him, but he's the one who got bored and wanted to do something different. And Vince didn't want to do it, and he had to convince Vince to let him to do it. It's different than, say, The Rock, where 2002, 2003, fans were a little jaded at The Rock for doing Hollywood, so he leaned into that, and he turned heel. Right. Roman Reigns. The fans were clamoring for Roman to turn heel so they could get into that. And what happens? Roman becomes the most over character in wrestling. Yeah. Just feels almost counterintuitive to do something like this. Why do you think Steve was so hell-bent on trying to give this a shot here? Uh, I think he was trying to satisfy his creative urges. I, I think he felt like he wanted to do something different. He wanted to go a different direction. He had confidence that, that he could do it and he could make it work, you know, but maybe once again, he was just underestimating how beloved he was at that time. And I respect the effort that he wanted to try it, but just like looking back in hindsight, I mean, he wasn't a guy that was polarizing. He wasn't getting the Cena reaction or the Roman reaction, the half and halves. I mean, he was getting holes of cheers night in and night out. So he, uh, he, he wanted to roll the dice and, and try something. And, and looking back in hindsight, you know, I think we can all say it would have probably been better if he did stay as a baby face. It would have been best for businesses, the WWE officials often say. Yes. Well, the next night on Raw, he's going to face The Rock in a rematch in a steel cage match. Triple H. The prodigal son wants to know why McMahon aligned himself with Austin. And uh, McMahon says, well, you know, Austin won at WrestleMania. Did you? And, of course, you'll remember that Triple H lost to The Undertaker. Right. So in that Austin Rock match, Triple H interferes, enters the cage with a sledgehammer. You think he's going to help The Rock, but instead he attacks Rock. 
and aligns with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then on SmackDown, he beats Chris Jericho to win the Intercontinental Championship. So Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin are aligned and they are referred to on commentary as the two-man power trip. With so few baby faces at the top here in the main event scene, it's a really peculiar decision to pair Triple H and Austin here. What do you make of that decision? I, I I thought it was interesting. I I, I thought I like the name the two men power trip. I I didn't mind them holding all the titles. Uh, I, I I thought it had potential to like grow into a big act, but then like where do you go with it? Does it become a big over babyface act? I mean, is it really going to be able to maintain and be a a hill act? And it, they were just so cool and they were so dominant. It seems like it's tough to turn that into a full fledged hill act because they. Both seem like badasses that were super cool. So I, I feel like if anything else, maybe it becomes like a mega act that you could turn babyface at some point. But I, I like the, the name of the two-man power trip, and I like the, the dichotomy of those guys together because they were so different from one another. Just seems like you're almost handicapping yourself a little bit, though, because The Rock is gone. Kurt is a heel at this point. You've got The Undertaker and Kane that you can go to, but... I don't know if people viewed Undertaker and Kane as the top two baby faces in the company at this juncture. I, they, they were top baby faces, but I don't think they were the top. We're drawing top baby face money at every single house show that we're going with Austin turning and rock gone. There is a very significant hole at the top there. And ramifications are pretty real when it comes to business on this front what do you think of the pecking order i know i've used that term a lot on this episode but like there kind of seems to be room there for someone to ascend into that role with these two paired together where do we have where, where was jericho at at that time so jericho he just lost the intercontinental championship here to triple h he's a baby face, he, he's a baby face but he's in the mid card high mid card i'd say Again, we know at the end of the year, he's going to be the world heavyweight champion. He's going to be the undisputed champion, but he wasn't quite at that place just yet. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, it's 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 definitely putting all your eggs in one basket, so to say. You know, so I, I, I thought it was interesting, but but you also definitely need to have a, a top baby face because that is so significant to any core pro wrestling business. You got to have a top baby face that, that people love and, and the draws and that can be the leader of your pack. Well, on April 9th, it's a week later, it's Raw, we see Lita backstage, and Linda McMahon, of course, had the long feud with Vince at Culminate at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and Lita was telling Linda how proud of her she was for standing up to Vince, but Vince was just around the corner and he could hear it, and he orders a six-man tag, or six-person tag, I should say, it's Stephanie, Triple H, and Austin versus Team Extreme. Uh, you aren't particularly happy about this, but... Jeff is uh, pretty excited for the opportunity on camera here. Tell us how the Hardy Boys and Team Extreme got paired with the two-man power trip and Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley here. Well, this was done. This was meant to be a one-and-done. It was meant to be a one-off. And and the whole mission behind us, we were, we were pretty over at that time. People liked us a little bit. So the, the whole point behind all this was to try and, and get legitimate heat on Stone Cold because he was having an issue getting booed. Like he wanted to get booed and, and they thought they could, you know, fix it by having him get heat on us. And I think even more specifically, you know, they came through with this plan about him 
beating a girl at the end of the match. And uh, I'll never forget as we were back there talking, my wife said, so we're talking about doing this. Like, are you okay if he beats the shit out of you with this chair? You know, she covers you up, and then he starts beating her. He says, "Steve, are you care? care are, are you uh, are you okay with doing that? Are you cool with doing that?" And I remember Steve said, "I'm not afraid to go there." You know, like <laughs> real intense, which was which popped the shit out of me. Uh, yeah, but he was, I mean, he was very committed to getting yeah. booed, so he, he he thought that would work, and and that was ultimately the whole point of this match. You know, we were going to get a win in this match, uh, which which was huge for us. For, to have Team Extreme, this homegrown WWE act, be out there with like the two top guys in the promotion this time, and have them legitimately, you know, get a, a win, even though it was with the girls and it wasn't legitimately us being the guys, it was a huge deal, man, and it, it did a lot for us too. So this is all a vehicle to get heat on Austin. At the end of the day, we're pairing him with Triple H, who's one of the most hated heels in the company. We're right. putting him against three of the most beloved baby faces in the company. This is them trying to come up with creative here. To turn the crowd on Austin is what you're saying? That that was the initial purpose behind doing this six-man tag, yes. Okay. I mean, look at the Hardy Boys here. You guys are super hot coming off this massive showcase match at TLC2. You guys are in great shape coming out of it. You're in a prime position. And part of the reason, Matt Hardy, that you guys were in that great position that you found yourself in is, of course... Because you guys were taking your AG1s back at the time after TLC2, man. Your body's all beat up. How did AG1 help get you back into good shape? I mean, that's what AG1s do, man. Uh, every morning, it is the first thing I put in my mouth, and uh, it tastes great, too. Uh, it, you get all your vitamins in, in one stop, and uh, it's absolutely delectable. We're talking 75 high-quality vitamins in one delicious scoop of AG1 Whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right, even if you are coming out in the aftermath of TLC2. It's a special blend of ingredients supporting your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. And thankfully, it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, or you're a pro wrestler on the road trying to scratch up whatever you can from Arby's, Athletic Greens is there to help you out, containing less than one gram of sugar with no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, still tasting good and supporting sleep quality and recovery. And Matt Hardy, I know you value those precious hours of sleep on the road, do you not? More than you know, John. More than you know. <laughs> well, the beauty is AG1 costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. It is an all-in-one nutritional insurance that is absolutely delightful can you give me a delightful please delightful right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutritional insurance it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and how many free travel packs my friend five single five single five free travel packs you can't beat it you can't beat it. You get that all with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Hey, guys, Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. Jim Johnston created the soundtrack for generations of WWE fans with some of the most iconic themes in history. 
Jim sits down with Conrad to take us behind some of those classic themes, including The Ultimate Warrior. And then I recorded that. And then just over that, you're just doing... You know, it's so simple, but that's what felt like him. Plus, an all-new edition of The Book is here as David Crockett takes us page by page, gate by gate, through the JCP booking logs of April 1985. On Sunday, April 14th, you start the day with a 2 p.m. show in Richmond, Virginia, 43 grand. An hour later, Asheville, North Carolina kicks off, and it's another 63-63. But then that night, you guys all cruise to Atlanta, $31,000 at the gate, Talk about a banner day for Jim Crockett promotions. This is hard to beat, man. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So that's coming out of TLC too. You guys get this match here. Uh, were, were you guys excited for this opportunity? Did you recognize that this was going to be a pretty big deal here for you guys and your, uh, I'll borrow Matt Hardy term, your equity in the company? Yes, uh, we were both very excited for this opportunity. We got buzzed on it uh, a couple of days before they were going to do that Monday on Raw and then it was going to be the main event. So yeah, we were, we were really psyched and pumped for it. Michael Hayes is telling you guys that? Yes. Okay. Here's uh, Dave Meltz's recap of the match. I want to read back some of it here. It's There's some editorial injunction from him, which we'll get a few of on this episode of The Extreme Life. But he has high praise. He says, this is the best stuff on the show, particularly Austin Triple H did a great job selling for the Hardys early. It reminded me of a Rock and Roll Express versus Ric Flair and Arn Anderson series in some ways. Austin Triple H had the Hardys beat up outside the ring, but Lita pinned Stephanie after a moonsault. Triple H then stomped the hell out of Lita, gave her a pedigree. Austin laid out both Hardys with chairs to the head. It was pounding Matt to death on the ground with chair shots. Lita got up and covered Matt to protect him. Austin started killing her with chairs to the back and then driving the chairs into her stomach when she turned over. As a fan, I love this because the psychology and heat building was awesome. But from a business perspective, this was very dangerous after the unit case for a betrayal of Austin, who is still the most popular wrestler in the company in some ways, just beating the hell out of a woman half his size. Triple H gave Jeff a pedigree, and Austin gave Lita a stunner as the show went off the air. A lot to dig into there. First off, high praise there. Rock and Roll Express versus Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, Matt. Uh, that is not to be taken lightly. Did you feel good about the match? I'm not afraid to go there. Uh, I, I, I did. I, I did feel good about the match. Uh, it, it was one of those things as it was happening, like being present in the moment, it felt good all, all the while through the match. And and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed getting the rub from those guys, getting to, to go 
one-on-one with those guys literally in the ring, you know, whether it was me or Jeff with Steve or with Triple H getting to go one-on-one having a competitive match against them was a, was a big, big deal, man. And it was, it was great. Well, one thing that doesn't get mentioned a lot is at the end of this match, as it went off, they continued to beat us. And they, this crowd in Boston filled up the ring with trash. And it was very like reminiscent of the NWO days. You remember those days where they would get so much heat? Of course, heat? the trash start flying throughout the ring. That, yeah. that happened in Boston that night. And that was one of the coolest things about that. And I think that was that was probably the ex- exclamation point on that night that, that got this whole thing extended following that. You know? Uh, because I, I got to tell you this too, something I, I want to share, which is one of my favorite Paul Heyman stories. I remember we – we were in there, we were laying in this ring, we're all selling big because I mean they continue to beat the shit out of us after you know the it goes off air and it's still rolling. They just keep throwing more trash and they're getting more heat and they're throwing more trash and they're getting more heat and people are booing the shit out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that was the whole purpose, right? So we accomplished our mission. We accomplished the purpose that we were there to do. And they, they come to the back, and I remember we come back through big hugs from Steve and Hunter. They were super happy with everything. You guys good? And we're like, yeah, man, we're great. You know, we're 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 on cloud nine. We're super happy with everything. It was great. And I remember Paul, Paul Heyman was sitting over there kind of just like biding his time. And he waited till we could finish our conversation with him. And he like looked at me and he's like, Matt, Matt. And we walked off and uh, went down the hallway for a second. He said, I've got to tell you something. He said, what you did tonight, it was absolutely incredible. That heat that you guys got, the, the way they were filling the ring with trash. He said, what happened tonight with the team extreme was the biggest thing that happened in pro wrestling since the NWO. <laughs> and, And I never forget. And I was like, <laughs> and I just remember like, I was like, Paul, come on, man. Like, thank you. You're, you're like a motivator. And I, I know this is like a motivational thing and I appreciate it, but like, thank you. I'm very, I'm very proud of that. I was like, you know, you don't have to hit me with ECW motivation. That bought me so much just because it's like known within the industry that Heyman will exaggerate to the nth degree to really yeah, yeah. get someone motivated and whatnot. Motivate somebody. I mean, that's why ECW ran for so long. You know, if people wouldn't get paid, that payday will come and it will be 10 times the value of, of what I owe you, you know. Uh, and, and it's great. I, I love that. Like, once again, I loved working with Paul Heyman later on. I always had good interaction with Paul Heyman. I don't have anything great things to say about Paul Heyman. But Paul Heyman was someone who knew how to motivate talent. And and I got a little piece of that motivation, but I'd been around the block long enough by this time. I was like, thank you, Paul. But, but come on, man. <laughs> thank you. That is very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate the compliment. What a worker. Oh, that's so great. That's awesome. Paul, 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 Paul Heyman is possibly the best worker ever in the history of the business. I would agree with that. That's great, though. That's that's Much awesome. love to you, Paul Heyman. That is an awesome story. I, I love that. That's That encompasses Paul Heyman perfectly. These are the great stories you get here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy every single week. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of Dave's assessment where he said that he thought that Triple H and Austin did such a great job at getting the heat on you guys as baby faces in particular, like the quality and the caliber, the cerebralness of their heel work there. Uh, I, I thought it was good. I, I thought the match, I, I just recently watched it back. And uh, cause I saw people were saying like, however many years ago it was now, God did 20, Two years ago, I guess. 22 years ago, this match happened. I saw that in my mentions a whole lot. I said, oh, let me go back and see if there's any clips of this match. And uh, I got together a clip and posted it of that match. And, like, watching it back, it still stood up. We were out there like the, you know, the underdogs, mm-hmm. that babyface role, where it's like these guys should dominate us, but we're, like, still holding our own against them. Uh, really, really happy with how the match was put together and how it was structured. And I thought they they did a, they did an awesome job giving us our shit. 
and letting us do our stuff and letting us stay true to the essence of Team Extreme and the Hardy Boys while still maintaining their superstardom, you know, being in the match with us. Did it go a little too far with the amount of chair shots to Lita and stuff like that? I mean, you're asking the guy who did Broken Matt Hardy. I, I, I don't mind, you know, so it's different. Everyone's perception is going to be a little different. In that day and age, I think you could get away with it. Could you get away with it now? Probably. You know, so it, it was it was a different time, and it was something where you could get away with it in pro wrestling. Society has changed a lot, and a lot of pro wrestling reflects that societal change as well. So maybe not so much today. It would probably end up being a negative at the end of the day as opposed to something that ends up being a positive that gets the bad guys booed. Top guy, it says Paul Heyman is pro wrestling's greatest bullshitter. <laughs> uh, seems to be something that you would endorse there. Well, that angle sets up an intercontinental championship match between Triple H and Jeff. And yeah. it feels a little impromptu. And Dave even says he, he doesn't think that this was planned all that far ahead of time, but it was a decision that's made on the reaction that you guys got out of the strength of that angle on the Raw in Boston. Yes. And uh, yeah, uh, eventually here, Jeff is going to get a win over Triple H after just a week of Triple H holding the Intercontinental Championship, Jeff, Jeff gets it. It's a little redemption for the Hardy Boys. It's a major moment for you both. Uh, man, what would you think of this? How was Triple H about doing business with Jeff here? Um, he, he, was, he was good with it. He was fine with it. And, and I'll tell you, we didn't know this was happening until we walked in that day and like later in the day because it was one of those deals where Vince was like changing the show. And I know they, they look back over. They said this ended up doing so good for us. Uh, this worked, putting Team Extreme against the two man power trip. It, it got them the heat. You know that was the that was the whole purpose of this segment, and it worked. We think we can elongate this and and get some more positive content out of this. And Vince's mentality was like, okay, well, which guy is in the best shape? And they went through, the, and this is how Jeff got this Intercontinental title run because it's, you know I was the guy that was laying there getting the shit beat out of me with a chair, and then obviously. I was covered by the girl and then she gets the shit beat out of her with a chair. So they ended up saying like, you know, we were off in a medical facility or whatever, you know, as, as Vince addresses the hospital, we were <laughs> away in a medical facility and they said, well, let's put Jeff in this match, but then we'll show some resilience and tenacity by Matt. He'll come out and, and nail Hunter to get a little revenge for them doing that to them last week. And then uh, we'll put the intercontinental title on Jeff. I mean, if, if it would have been the opposite way, it would have been, uh, you know, Jeff coming out and, and Nelling Hunter and me winning the Intercontinental title. It just depended on which guy had, had the least to sell and it ended up being Jeff then. And because Jeff won the Intercontinental title, that's why I was chosen to actually win the European title a few weeks later down the road. Yes, and that is something we have covered on our Eddie Guerrero episode and it will come yes. up again here uh, later on in this episode as well. So uh, did you view it as a tempering in a way as to what kind of reactions you guys would get as singles guys maybe because this is kind of your first real opportunity at that level i, I, I don't even I, I don't think it was the plan to try and make us mm -hmm. singles guys out of this I, I think the plan was they were really happy with the hardies together as a team and with uh the, the work we were doing especially with these guys and i know like steve steve was going real hard for us like he he was super good with it and i think hunter was happy with everything as well uh, but Steve was always very outspoken. Hunter kept his cards a little closer to his chest mm -hmm. in those days, you know, so you, you weren't 100% sure. But I know Steve was, like, cool with it, and he was all about it. 
so it was it was very cool that that got extended and it I, it felt like we were we had earned some rewards for like busting our ass and working so hard in that match and and it, it was uh quite the compliment that, to know that Jeff was going to do this when the Center kind of title and they were going to extend this out for a couple of weeks you know and we got to do a little bit more of a program with the the two tippity top guys in the company at this time but you felt that you, I, I know you've always said you and Austin always had a good rapport but you felt like you Jeff had good rapport with Paul Levesque here even? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He, he, he just wasn't at, at this time. I don't feel like he was as open and just uh, he, he didn't speak as much as Steve did. Steve was very open and, and, and forthright, you know, where Hunter was a little more quiet. Understood. Understood. Well, uh, we continue to build here. The brothers of destruction, while this is all going on, win the tag titles from Edging Christian. So Edging Christian, who overcame all the odds in that prolific TLC2 match, dropped those championships just a couple of weeks later. Yeah. Pretty remarkable at the time how much hot potatoing was going on with these championships. Not just the tag titles, but all the titles in general are one guy to another. What do you think that does to the value of the titles? Does it matter? Well, I don't know. It's not going to happen now since Roman Reigns is going to get a thousand days. I hope you're happy, John. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, that big in there too. Huh? You know, it, it, a, a lot of it depends on what perspective you look at the industry with. If you're a real diehard fan that is, it really focuses on the wrestling, and you want it to parallel, uh, parallel uh, a real sporting event, you probably want longer title reigns. I think to the people that were casual viewers, and there were still a lot of casual viewers then, they, it didn't really make a shit if there was a quick title change or not, and it, it kind of pushed forward the the story and in, in what you were building. And I think. Them trying to put, you know, everything on Triple H and Steve at that time was was okay, and 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 I can see the I can see the purpose and intent behind. It. How can you take the title off Roman Reigns, man? He's living that top guy shit life, you know. Yeah. He's out there on the road every day. He's got to stay in good shape. He's got to look like a main eventer, and he's got to eat like a main eventer too, Matt Hardy. And now we want to help you do the same here over at the extreme life of matt hardy with our friends over at factor our newest partner here with the extreme life of matt hardy matt how often do you actually get a chance to cook as a professional wrestler who's on the road all the time uh with my insane schedule between family and work not very often so there's nothing better than having a factor meal and being able to put a little heat on this thing and eat it it is delicious uh and one of the most tastiest meals i've ever eaten Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help fuel you up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your door, even if you live in the forest like Matt Hardy. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll tackle everything on your to-do list, whether that is errands or making the towns like Matt Hardy is. Are you too busy to cook this spring? Are you out there trying to hit AW house shows and TV tapings? Well, with Factor, you can skip the trip to the grocery store, skip all the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. All you got to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside, get back on the bus, get back in the car, get back to whatever you're doing, and enjoy life. Are you looking for some calorie-conscious options this spring? I know you are, Matt Hardy. How, you feeling slim these days? You feeling good? You know, I am. Uh, I had the chicken and vegetables this morning. Uh, Factor hooked me up, man. And there you go. You couldn't beat it. That was my lunch. I like that. Well, you can try delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories 
per serving. Factory offers delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles, from keto to calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus. I know you love your protein. You got to get the protein in there. These meals are prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. And each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long while meeting your goals with 34 plus chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options. There's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 add ons, including breakfast items like ready for this, Matt Hardy. Yes. Egg, egg bites. Who wouldn't love egg bites? You got smoothies. And much more. I love the egg bites. Jim. I'm sure you do. I have no doubt that you do. And I'm sure you're just reiterating that you love them because I'm doing this ad read here with you. Yes, the egg bites are the best. <laughs> the egg bites make me so happy. I'm sure they do. Well, we want to help you out here because these are so convenient, whether you're a professional wrestler or you're just living at home. Head to factormeals.com slash hardy50 and use code hardy50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code Hardy50 at factormeals.com slash Hardy50 to get 50% off your first box. You're loving Factor, aren't you? I, I love it. I'm loving it the most, man. It, it's uh, It's been a game changer. Being on the road and having Factor makes my day so much easier. Factormeals.com forward slash Hardy50, promo code Hardy50. We continue with the two-man power trip here because, as you said, Title reigns are not meant for long in this edition of the World Wrestling Federation. On Raw, the following week, you jump Austin in the middle of the show, and he is fuming about it. He wants revenge, but Triple H tells him to leave so not to get him disqualified later on in his rematch with Jeff. I like this, Matt. Good opportunity to showcase you here, tell a story throughout the course of the show. What did you think about sprinkling that backstage moment there for you? ahead of this main event. Uh, I, I, I loved it. Uh, that was Steve's idea too. And I, I remember even whenever we did this deal, Steve said, all right, kid, he said, go ahead. He said, you know, once you knock me down, I said, you lay that shit in. He said, kick the shit out of me. He said, don't feel bad about it. He said, I beat the shit out of you with that chair. You're just getting me back. We're going to be all good. He says, so make sure you do it. He said, lay your shit in, beat the shit out of me. Uh, so it, it was, it was such a pleasure to work with Steve at that time. Well, the main event is Jeff versus Triple H in a rematch. Triple H beats Jeff. And a lot of fans, including Dave Meltzer, are kind of critical of this. They don't like how Jeff is portrayed in this match. I'm going to read from the Observer here. He says, they portrayed Jeff as having no chance and that his win was a fluke. Even during the match, Triple H took the entire match. And the theme of the announcing was Jeff scored the upset of the century. Nothing against the idea of Triple H regaining the belt. Because if that's what's needed for where they're going, that's fine. But Booking 101 would tell you not to bury the babyface losing in that situation. And you should spend the TV show building up the win as opposed to saying it was a lucky fluke. And if the heel goes over clean, then said heel should sell his ass off to prove that the previous win wasn't a fluke. What do you think about that? Uh, how long was the match? Ten minutes? It was a short match, as most matches were. At this time, I can find it. I feel I feel like somewhere in the notes you said ten minutes, and it was an eleven minute and twenty eight second match. I mean, it's just it's I don't remember the match, but it it, it if it's an eleven minute match, it just it seems to it seems hard to believe that he like squashed Jeff this whole match. Mm -hmm. uh, if they went eleven minutes, it seems like it has to be somewhat competitive. At least Jeff stayed alive in it. Um, 
actually because if it was a, a squash and a hunter was in, it took him 11 minutes to put Jeff away, then that didn't do any favors for, for Hunter. And I get those points. I, I, I think in a best case scenario, it's like, Oh my God, this was an upset, but like this Jeff Hardy is a, is a real future star and look, he's showing he can hang with triple H. I, I do like that. I do like endorsing him because if, at the end of the day, Triple H is going to you know regain the title and win it. He's going to get his. So I would try and make Jeff as much as you can going through that match. So I, I do agree with that that point in uh, in many ways. But I would like to go back and watch that match. I probably will now just because it was 11 minutes and I want to see like how competitive this match was. If a match was 11 minutes, it's, it's hard for me to imagine it being so one-sided. I'm using his words here. He says, yeah, I, I know, I know. He says Triple H treated Jeff as a jobber and pounded him the entire match. Jeff got one comeback after hitting Triple H with the title belt since no mere punch had any effect. He got a near fall after that with a missile drop kick, but missed a swanton. Austin beat up Matt backstage. Lita couldn't decide what to do, but decided to go back and help Matt. But Austin confronted her on the ramp. While this was going on, the new production crew borrowed by WCW missed the pin clean with a pedigree, as if Jeff wasn't treated like an enhancement guy for 10 minutes and talked about like he has no chance with the big stars for two hours and puts on a performance to convince everyone that that is the case, then loses his belt clean after a few days, proving he never deserved it since he didn't win it clean. Jeff having that title reign and working with Triple H those two times helped Jeff. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But uh, I, I've, I've definitely got to go back and watch this match because I am positively intrigued now to see how well uh, Mr. Meltzer's review matches up to the actual match. There's a big beatdown going on, and then The Undertaker and Kane, the brothers of destruction, the new tag team champions, are there to help make the save. With their inclusion, Matt, this kind of says to me that it's like, all right, this Hardy Boy experience was fun, but it's time to shift gears and reintroduce some of the major players back into this. What's the sentiment on that? I mean, we were happy to get any time with them. If we would have just had that one match, we would have been happy with that match and it would have helped us, you know, but we, we got a little more out of, out of it, you know, because we got to work with them for a few weeks. And... We, I thought it was cool that we were still being put in that mix and also Edge and Christian all kind of being elevated into this match with the Brothers of Destruction and uh, and Stone Cold and, and Triple H. So uh, it was it was still cool, man. It was once again, it was a it was a win for for the Hardys. On Raw the next week, Taker and Kane are jumped by Austin and Triple H to start the show. And later in the show, uh, the heels, Austin and Triple H, cut promos on the crowd. And they're antagonizing Taker and Kane to come out, knowing that they were injured. Instead, you guys come out. Austin and Triple H laugh at you guys based on how the previous week's episode went off the air. And uh, Taker and Kane, made fools of us, John. They just made fools of us. They just laughed at you. Then Taker and Kane came out anyway, and uh, they got run off. So you guys just kind of stood there and got laughed at. Interesting little segment. It does set us up for our main event, though, which is Edge and Christian, Austin and Triple H versus The Undertaker, Kane, you and Jeff. The match ends when Stone Cold Steve Austin gives you a stunner and Triple H pins you. Classic Matt Hardy looking up at the lights. How about <laughs> that? Give you the heat. Give me the heat. Now, there is a, an interesting note here that I'll get to in just a second, but what did you think of this match? It only goes seven and a half minutes, but it is the main event. Uh, it was cool to be in that spot, once again, of, of the main event, and also to be teaming up with uh, Undertaker and Kane. 
against, uh, you know, Edge and Christian, our fellow brethren who we build each other up through all these uh, tables, ladders, and chairs contest, uh, and to be wrestling against the two-man power trip again and kind of be like the, the featured match on the show. Yeah, that was that was a, a compliment for us, and that was, once again, us in a good spot, and it was going to, going to be a positive for us. Uh, as far as the, the finish of the match, uh, it ultimately ended up being fine. It changed a lot throughout the course of that day. The, the, the finish changed a, a few times. That's what I was going to ask you. So Dave says the finish was changed that day. Not sure what the original finish was, but it may have been Taker using the last ride on Austin and Matt pinning him. Match had very good heat and it was a good match. So Matt factor, Matt fiction, you were supposed to pin Stone Cold Steve Austin at some point. I, I don't know if that was the specific finish. It could have been because Steve did. Steve was a fan of us and Steve was wanted to help elevate us. I know uh, that, that could be. I can't say that's Matt fact because I don't know. But I do know there was one time where politically even Stone Cold and Hunter saw things differently in many ways. And I remember there was one time, like a few changes happened during the course of that match. And they said, oh, well, we're, we're going to change it. We're doing it this way now. Oh, we're going to change it. We're doing it this way now. And I remember one time they came out and, and said some sort of change to us. Some runner or agent or producer or whatever came out and said, well, this is what they, they want to do now. And, and I remember Steve said, shit. He said he went there and changed it. Hold on, Let me go back and get this changed again. You know, so like I, I know there were times where they kind of had different thought processes and they would probably both be going back and forth and, and speaking with Vince, you know, and, and figured their way was the best or whatever. So I, I do remember that instant. Uh, and I was like, wow, you know, these guys, they're the tag team champions, the world champion, the IC champion. But still, like they're still both really politic and hard to get their shit in. Uh, so I, I don't know. Could it have been me pin, uh, pinning Stone Cold after Undertaker? I could see Steve being cool with that. Um especially just to give us a little something after they dominated us in this program or whatever. But uh, I, I don't know. I do know the finish of that match changed several times. They, there was talks of babyface going over the talks of the hills, talks of the babyface, talks of the hills. And then ultimately the finish ended up being me eating a stunner. As someone who's pretty selfless himself with now paying it forward to a lot of the younger guys, we've seen it with your work with private party and you're doing extensive business with Ethan page here and making sure right. that a guy like him looks good. Yeah. What did it mean to you at the time to see the top guy, Austin, really being in yours and Jeff's corner here and giving you guys some support? Uh, it, it was great. I mean, because, I mean, he was, you know, still like one of the biggest stars in the history of pro wrestling. And he was like going hard for us. And he enjoyed working with us and he would vouch for us. He would give us advice. He'd give us tips on what we could do to, to, to be better, look more aggressive and like continue to move up and make more money. And I'm also always very grateful for that. And, uh, grateful that I kind of formed a little bit of a relationship with him. And uh, I'll put over both Stone Cold and Hunter here. I feel like once Hunter retired from active wrestling, he like took a couple steps back and, and was more concerned about the future more mm -hmm. than anything else. You know, I, I think he was, he was, it was better for his personality not to be an active talent, you know, as far as the big scheme of things. But Steve, I, re I remember whenever the whole broken Matt Hardy stuff was massively over and, we left TNA and we went to ring of honor and showed up and beat the bucks for the tag team titles. And I remember when we were in Vegas and like Steve hit me up and called me and he like kind of wanted to know the details on stuff and said, I like this shit, how it's different. And I had a great conversation with him and I was kind of explaining what was all going on and the, the lawsuit and what, what are the chances we end up going back to WWE? He said like that, I think that'd be a good play. You know, if you end up going back to going back to Vince and, uh, that, that was great and much, much respect to him for that. Mm -hmm. And then even one thing I'll say about triple H and Stephanie, I know like when my, Second kid, Wolfie, was born, and we were working at WWE. And sure, we were hot 
doing the whole Broken Man Brother Nero thing. We came back. I remember they sent this amazing care package. And uh, I actually put it out. It was so nice. And it had to be so expensive, too. But And it was from those two specifically. And I remember even tweeting out, like, thank you guys for this. And I remember Stephanie said, like, you don't have to do that. Like, we're not doing this to look for compliments or to be showered with compliments. We just, we're just doing that because we appreciate you and, and thanks for working so hard and, and everything else. We know having a kid is a big deal. And whenever our dad died, you know, I obviously worked for the competition, AEW, and the, two of the first people to text us uh, in, in a group chat to both myself and Jeff were Hunter and Stephanie and just, you know, expressing their condolences. So uh, I, I've got a bunch of appreciation and I respect both of those guys very, very much, especially knowing them throughout the years. That's very cool. That's very cool to hear all that stuff. Uh, as far as the booking is concerned here at the time, the biggest gripe from Dave and I think from a lot of fans and even in looking back at it is you get these young guys in a position here right? where maybe it wasn't by design per se. As you said, this was supposed to be a one week thing where it was just going to get right. the heel heat on Stone Cold Steve Austin in particular. We see that there's some legs to it. The crowds are getting into it. You guys are positioned in roles where you could, in theory, be elevated to another level. But instead, there's a safe play, and you're kind of just pushed to the side out of it. The major players are the ones who get the emphasis put on them. Was this a missed opportunity to maybe elevate you and Jeff to a higher level in the eyes of the audience. Maybe, but I, I also think too, like we, as far as like promos and as far as like being a, you weren't there yet. Really well polished character. No, I don't, I don't think we were there yet as singles wrestlers. I think the rub helped us out significantly, you know? And I think if you look back, like uh, once Jeff came back, you know, he was ready to, to, to do that type of thing. You know, once I split away from Jeff and I was doing, the Matt Hardy version one that moved me up a whole lot. And I was able to build a lot of equity into myself. And then, you know, a few years later down the road, it ended up working out as I had the U S title. Then I became the ECW champion. And even if you look at like edge and Christian, you know, even took a couple more years down the road to elevate those guys. And then, you know, Adam had an incredible career there. So th those things don't happen overnight, but I do feel like anytime you go in and have a rub with like the two top guys, it's a, it's a big deal for you. So I, I don't think they necessarily missed the ball on, trying to elevate us because I don't know if, if we were ready to be elevated into some massive singles position at that time. When you're working in tag matches with them, you guys are the tag specialists, but are they leading the match? Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely, they infused all of our stuff in there. Like I remember we said, like, how can we like get that poetry in motion? How can you hit us both? How can you hit us both with it? And I remember we hit it to Hunter and like, I come up from, you know, the all force position, Sting, uh, Steve swings at me and I block and pop him, then shoot him across and drop down. And, you know, like those were ideas and like spots we did regular matches and they were like cool with doing it. That's cool. One, one of my favorite spots in that match, which was uh, just a very simple spot, but I liked it so much. When I watched it back just recently, I, I still dug it. And it was Hunter's idea of having Jeff do a sunset flip in from the ropes and he starts pulling him back, and Hunter's doing the big, like, trying to grab for the ropes, back, back, and they keep moving back, moving back. And he said, just come in and, like, take my head off of the clothesline, you know, and then I'll go down, and he catches me with the, the pinfall or whatever. And that spot looks so great. And it was such a simple spot, but, you know, it was something they incorporated. And once again, that it got a great reaction, too, and it just was uh, reinforcing, you know, yeah. always 
have to think about a hot spot. You just have to do things in a very smart fashion. That's kind of like a David Goliath spot, right? Like where he's Goliath there in terms of positioning, not size. But you sure. guys are the, the chippy guys, and you have to come together to take the monster down. I, I kind of like that. That is a good spot as far as laying a match out together. Uh, you do win the European Championship, as you alluded to. Mm-hmm against Eddie Guerrero at the next night's SmackDown taping. That's covered in our archives. If you'd like to go back and listen to the Eddie Guerrero episode, what would Eddie say about putting you over, Matt Hardy? It's better than nothing. (laughs) On May 1st, SmackDown's taping, uh, Triple H beats Jeff to keep the Intercontinental Championship. Austin was at ringside. Taker came out with a chain. He attacked Austin. They brawled to the back. While this was going on, it was a pedigree and a clean pin in the middle. And that is it. That's the end of the Hardys. And the two-man power trip. It feels maybe a little unceremonious, but Triple H and Austin go on to win the tag titles from the Brothers of Destruction at Backlash, holding all the gold, aside from your European championship, by the way. Eventually, they couldn't win it. They couldn't win it. They couldn't? Yeah, they, tried. they couldn't win it, man. They couldn't win it. Well, they honestly... Champion. They might have won it, but as we know... Triple H would go on and tear his quad in a tag title match against Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. Right. Probably one of the more famous injuries from that era. He works through the match and finishes it with his quad just hanging off his leg. Uh, What do you guys remember about that night and kind of the vibe around that? Because this is significant. Not only did we turn Stone Cold Steve Austin heel, but now we're losing Triple H as we're about to launch into the invasion angle. Uh, I remember there were a lot of people extremely concerned with how bad Hunter was hurt. Uh, he seemed like he was hurt pretty bad, but he toughed it out. Big props to him for doing that and finishing the match. Um, yeah, I, I think they were very concerned because, as I stated earlier in the podcast, like they put all their eggs in one basket you know, with the two-man power trip, and, and now you don't have that happening anymore. So that, that definitely changed a lot of plans, including us like walking into a TV and finding ourselves in a – uh, a, a a four-way TLC match, which was TLC 3, the forgotten TLC 2. That was a result of that Triple H injury. Which is an episode that we're going to get to soon here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, the forgotten TLC uh, 3 match, which will be a lot of fun to talk about, and I'm excited to do just that. Give me the verdict here, Matt Hardy. Were you and Jeff elevated in any way from this feud with Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And what did you learn from it? We were definitely elevated. I mean, uh, could we have been elevated more? Yeah, probably we could have. But like anytime you are working with these top talents uh, and and you have a competitive contest contest with them, especially in the mind of casual fans, there's like, wow, these guys can hang with the top guys. So so it was good for us. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was definitely good for us. What did you learn from it? Uh. I learned for uh, a lot of things, even in chatting with Steve there, just to, to be more aggressive. Uh, like during that period is when he said, like in your comebacks, he says, why don't instead of like throwing a punch, you throw a pretty good punch, but why don't you just take, take someone's head off with the clothes on it. It looks a lot more vicious, you know? And I, I think the more vicious it looks when you're coming in doing that comeback, when you're trying to get a reaction, the better it is for it. And once again, he really emphasized about, working smart and being aggressive and physical. And some of the things Michael had said, he like reinforced, like people have to believe you can really whip someone's ass. So, you know, your punches and your kicks, your strikes, they need to look good. Like it's not always about like these hot spots. 
you know, you build in certain moments that are going to be remembered in a certain way, but like your work needs to be really solid and, and people need to think you're aggressive. They need to think that you can really whip someone's ass and they, they wouldn't want to get into a fight with you. And, you know, once again, I, I took those things to heart from him. Let's get to some Ask Matt's before we wrap things up here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. You can send them to us at Matt Hardy Pod on Twitter and Instagram and then on Facebook, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy and Matt's personal Facebook page as well, Matt Hardy Brand. Let's get top guy Bobby. says, what was it like planning a match with Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin? Uh, it, it was it was easy. You know, I mean, they, they told they were both so over. They were both big stars. I, I think they really dealt with, like, telling very simplistic stories in the match and i think the the match much like you said before it was uh these two young upstarts in that six-man tag or team extreme you know it, the, the girls only come in at the finish of the match by the way if you go back and watch the match you know you you want to see these two young upstarts the, the hardy boys you know try and survive against triple h and stone cold steve austin the two-man power trip and and i think that's what they were doing it was Almost like you said before, it was a good analogy, John. It was like, you know, a David and Goliath. You know, we really aren't supposed to win this, you know, but can we survive this? And, and not only do we go out and we survive and we, like, fight our asses off, we also end up winning at the end of the day. Matthew Podcast Network wants to know, who in Gorilla wanted Lita to get the hell beat out of her in the ring with chairs from Austin, a pedigree from Triple H, and a stunner? Did Lita want this, or was it obligated by Vince? Uh, I mean, I, I, I want to say this was a, a Michael Hayes concoction, uh, first and foremost. I, I think it was, and he probably pitched to Vince, and I guess Vince had approved it, and Steve was cool with doing it because he was just looking to get heat. He was very, very driven to, to get heat, and uh, every, everybody was on board with it. There was never any point where someone wasn't on board or nobody even thought twice about doing it even. Broken Matt Hughes asks, who's stiffer, Triple H or Austin? Uh, the animal, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, Steve was just much more smooth and, and technical. And I just what, one of my favorite memories in that match is we do a deal where I come in and I make the comeback on those guys. I do a, a double clothesline to them both off the top. I pop them both a couple times, and then I focus on Steve, give him a few shots, and I go to shoot him into the ropes. He reverses, and as I come off, he grabs me by the head and he aggressively throws me over the top rope to the floor. Right, you know, and I'm just going to land on my feet, and then we continue fighting there. I remember it was so crazy because just like he grabbed me and it was so like, oh, like rough, like an animal, like a gorilla grabbed you. And he slung me out of the ring and I went over and I like landed on my feet, was able to keep my balance. But by the time I landed on my feet, he was already on his feet outside. He'd already rolled underneath the bottom rope and was like punching me in the face. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how did this animal get out here so quick? You know, just he was just so, so, so aggressive. And he, he was he still moved very fast, especially in that period. Even watching that match back, he, he was moving pretty fast, especially for the 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 level his injury was he was still fucking kicking ass in the way he was moving my guess do you look back at this as a missed opportunity to have had a lengthier feud that would have established both yourself and jeff as main event players if so did you pitch anything that would have prolonged it i, I mean once again it, it it definitely helped us could we have done could we've been elevated more yes could we have maybe made it a little bit longer yeah um but but the ultimate plan was to get to the two man power trip and the brothers of destruction when it was all said and done. So we were just happy that we, you know, we got a little rub off of those guys uh, in a perfect world. Could they have rolled the dice and experimented with the Hardys versus the two man power trip for a few more weeks and maybe, you know, made it a little more competitive. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, we were very happy with what we get, what we got and we made the most out of the opportunity we had, which as I say in pro wrestling, that's like my motto. You just got to make the most out of whatever you have to work with. And to be fair, 
Austin, Triple H, Kane, and Undertaker in the same match is a pretty big match, especially with all the gold on the line. Sure. So that's, that's going to be a match you want at your pay-per-view. Let's get one more here from Andy. He says, how do you feel about two established single superstars encroaching on the tag team division and winning belts that you, Jeff, and other established teams worked hard to win? Was there anybody who was maybe poking the bear on that and saying, hey, this, this ain't right? No. Uh, I, I, maybe there was some underlying someone was didn't like it in the tag team scene, but I, I, don't, I don't think any of us did. You know, when I say us, that's like myself and Jeff and Edge and Christian. I mean, we, we, we got it. Uh, the whole deal was to like elevate them to make them seem like the toppest of the top tier superstars they could possibly be. And that was, that was part of the the mission, you know, part of the objective. And, and they felt they could do that by them having all the gold that makes the two man power trip more elite than anybody else there. So I, I, I see what they were doing. And as a promoter, I could see myself doing it as well. So I, uh, I, I don't, I don't hate it. This is a good episode, Matt. Anything else you'd like to add on the two-man power trip, Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin? No, man. Uh, that, that was covered in, in, in very, very much detail. Uh, and enjoyed revisiting those days. That was a, a real fun period. It was very fun to, to get to work at the, at the tippity top with those guys. I would agree with that. It was a fun period of time to watch. Next week, we are going to be covering the follow-up to our WrestleMania 25 episode, which is Backlash 2009. What can people look forward to with that one, Matt Hardy? Uh -huh. Yeah, when they, whenever they say, go out there and break a hand, Jeff took it literal. <laughs> I took it literal, man. We will break down that match in full. And we want to hear what you think of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We do. The way you can do that is to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and how many stars are they leaving us, Matt Hardy? Five. Cinco. Five. Cinco. Five-star review. Like this one. Five-star review every single week. If you enjoy the podcast, if, 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 you, if you can feel the love and the passion that we put into each one of these, and if you enjoy our content, please give us that five, cinco, five, cinco, five review. It, it helps us out a lot. And uh, it, it helps us to continue to, to continue to build our brand. We got this great review from BMW one 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 zero two says, "This is the podcast team you'd want to enjoy a beverage with after a long day." Thank you so there much. You Matt. Matt has the assortment of beverages, by the way. Says, "Just seems so likable and easy to get along with. Great team. Another darn good podcast episode. Jeff Hardy versus Matt Hardy at WrestleMania twenty five was something I remember very vividly. I also had one older brother, so we related so hard with the Hardys. Seeing the brothers turn against each other was surreal. Let alone the magnitude of circumstances as to how we got to WrestleMania. Jeff Hardy's WWE Championship win is a match I've watched probably seventy times. It's my." wrestling happy moment match chair shot was the shot heard round the world for me great feud great time in wrestling great episode pretty cool review there Matt. that's a great review thank you so much for that review uh i appreciate it yes thank you so much for that uh coach rosie wants to know uh, when's the next contest stay tuned on that we'll be announcing details of that dan savage says thanks gentlemen just joined ad free shows last week love it so far welcome to the ad free shows family dan welcome to your first live taping of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Thanks for thank you. Thank you for joining us, Dan. Thank you for tuning in live to that. And yeah, there's a first time for everything. And even if you're an advertiser, head on over to advertisewithhardy.com. You can join us and our team here, that great team that that review referred to. 
uh, promote your business with us here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Get your product or your business out in front of thousands of listeners and viewers every single week. AdvertiseWithHardy.com. Oh, Matt Hardy's got some some powerful friends in powerful places. That's all I'll say here. And you want to <laughs> tag team up and join our team here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. This has been a, a really great episode. Coach Rosie says, handle the firm tonight, Matt Hardy. So I will leave you to get to that over in Bridgeburg. Anything else you'd like to say, my friend? Indeed. Uh, we got to go over there, uh, go over to that venue. Uh, we got to make sure we have the Hardy party, you know, Hook, Isaiah. We got to make sure they are ready for the firm. Deletion! Just so everybody remembers this as well. Say hello to my moan man, Isaiah. For me, if you don't mind, the words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hart. Adios.